Joseph. And I'm Sammy. All right. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, UX versus dev uh, this time around, um, which is going to be probably a pretty hot topic. Um, <laughs> so uh, bear with us. It's going to get a little crazy in here. Um, so Joe and I are both designers. Um, Sammy... He's on the dev side. Um, I kind of switch gears every now and then um, with dev and design. Um, <clears throat> so there's there's a lot of differences and there's a lot of overlap. Um, and so let's start with talking about responsibilities, right? So what's unique to a designer? Uh, what's unique to a developer? Um, and then where the overlaps are. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you want, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I can, I can. Yeah. So, oh, for, people, I was just for people that are new, maybe to both arenas, um, you know, designer UXer typically, you know, they'll map out user flows, they'll map out the actual design and 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 functionality of uh, of a specific feature to a specific application, whatever they're doing, <clears throat> and then uh, a developer will essentially make it right they'll build it and they'll uh they'll make it work um and so there's there is the there's a sense of like okay each person has their own job but then again in some aspects when you get into more like the front end development side they sort of start to overlap a little bit right yeah. um you know yeah, a designer me... might do front end or a front end developer might do a little design. It's it's really just kind of yeah. well. I think it's it's that you know knowing how each side works. Like I've I've always had to like back in the day explain to me. It's like you know the yeah the UI UX design is all about you know what's it supposed to do, and then the devs come in and go like this is how it's going to do it, kind of thing. And so yeah, they're I mean saying it like that way, it seems like they're worlds apart. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 making a product work well. It's also very UX, so there is that overlap on the dev side. And I mean, chime in, Sammy, on that. I'm starting to speak for devs here, so <laughs> shut me up. <laughs> I think it's at the hardest piece to explain is the middle overlap. Like, if you think of a scale of design and dev. Uh, where they seem, tend to overlap, in my opinion, is, is really around the user interface building that um, because mm -hmm. devs typically have had a lot of experience creating those and have their own opinions of like how something should work or how yeah. a user flow should happen. But on if you talk to a back-end dev, right, someone who deals with mostly back-end programming languages, databases, servers, they obviously don't care. And that's very easy to define. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine in the beginning of UX, you know, in terms of wireframing, uh, user journeys, that's pretty easy to define as well. It's just right when it comes to the middle is mm -hmm. start to get really gray. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, mean, I think uh, there I are... Say, Go ahead, Joe. Uh, I was going to say, like, altruistically, like, the middle ground I always looked at is, like, and this is utopia it's quality you know like that is making sure you know your code's stable you know so the user's not experiencing crashes you know the user 
UI, yeah, that's a layer, but like typically that's kind of separate off of like the, how the development makes it work. But if both angles are coming at it with like, we, we want the user to have a great experience, well, okay, easy to use interface and an interface that doesn't crash. That's kind of how I always felt like the overlap is that quality approach. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think um, even, you know, even if you look at back-end development, you look at like database and server structure, like in some aspects that becomes uh, user experience, right? Because mm -hmm. if your server crashes or the database can't handle certain data or doesn't Shit slow. feed, right, it's slow or doesn't feed the right data that you need to make uh, the front end, um, the interface side and the design side feasible, then that also creates a poor user experience. Um, you know, something that I've sort of learned going through some of like the lean UX practices is that is it's almost like there should always be an overlap no matter what. Right. And so yeah. uh, the designers should work with developers to make sure that the design is going to work and the developers should work with the designer to make sure that designs are going to work. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, there are there are some unique things, right? Like a designer doesn't sit in, you know, VS code all day. Right. He's not coding yeah. things up and he's not making things actually work. Um, and a developer is not sitting in Figma or Sketch or Adobe XD or whatever tool is being used um, <clears throat> all day to, to do their work. But in the sense, they're both building out the feature for the product for, um, you know, for the users at the end of the day. And I think that leads us to our next point, communication, right? Like that's how, um, how do we communicate in a way that um, lets us build the experiences that we want to build? Um, yeah. And I think around that, there's a lot of misconceptions where designers and developers are like at each other's throats all the time and they just kind of <laughs> hate each other. And, yeah, it, you know, especially it the, yeah, the UX right? side of like, I wanted um, to do this and the know, devs like, be some that's going to take too long to build. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's too many stories on the board. Like, yeah. Slow your roll. Right. <laughs> but uh, then on the other side, you know, it's, it's like, you know, also from UX, you have to stand, you know, you're the stand up for the, the end user, you know, but with that communication, it does come. It's like, okay, well, our users don't really like, they don't care if it takes an extra 15 seconds to do this process. You know, so, okay. So like you can communicate that to devs like, oh, if there's a more stable process that may take longer, let's go that route because they're more caring about crashes than time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's. Yeah. yeah. I think it comes down to, um, you know, when you have those communications, right? So like if you're, if you're in an agile environment, right. Ideally during refinement or, you know, whatever, you would have conversations with developers like, hey, this is the design, this is what we're doing. And then you you would then get their input and go, hey, yeah, we can't actually do that. We have to actually do it like this. And so then you think about, okay, well, what's the best experience for that specific thing? It's knowing that we can't go full out with what we want to do, uh, but what can we do to actually simplify that and make that better? <clears throat> that is interesting point because even in those refinement sessions you may not have or at least from a dev perspective like i'm thinking about dynamic 
data or something to that effect. I might not know what that API might be bringing back. And I know there's been tons of times where there's really kick-ass design and devs were all behind it, but you know, just to find out a third-party dependency that's actually providing this data, <laughs> it's like images or, or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> right. And that, you know, that, and that's something where no amount of planning, I don't think can really solve for just, it's yeah. one of those things that you just got to make a plan in, in yeah. that two weeks to figure it out. And I think designers should really get to know their developers and vice versa, right? Like really get to know your designer, really get to know your product, get to know, um, you know, how people work and how people do things. And I think those kinds of questions will get better and better over time because if a developer comes to you and goes, Hey, so your designs are awesome. I would love to do this, but I can't necessarily do this because the API doesn't bring back this specific information, right? Or, uh, the database doesn't hold this or whatever, right? Then, you know, for next time, when you go to do a design, you say, hey, devs, can we, do we know what the API is actually bringing back? Uh, and then you can kind of get, you know, I, I've asked for, for JSON feeds, right? Give me an example of JSON feed of what this thing pulls out, mm -hmm. and then I can design around that, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, like, for me, I'm, I've been in, in, embedded with the devs, like, I, like I'm in every planning session or just about every planning session. So especially when like new features or new products and stuff, it's great to kind of go in there before you even run into those. Oh, the API does this, the API does that. You go like, oh, okay, we can catch that before the feature is fully planned out or fully even designed. You can start to go, oh, okay, we can't, we can't pull this information because, you know, five years ago, this IP law or whatever, you can't do it that way. So now we need to like pivot on the design. Okay. Let's get creative situations, you know, solutions. Yeah. And yeah. And then you, you kind of pick up on those things too, as from a UX standpoint of like, well, I don't have to ask again because I've already had those conversations. And I think that's also a big, big responsibility on both sides is, is right. Keeping contact, keeping, keeping a log of like, Oh, well we, we pushed back on this because of this. Well, we probably need to keep a record of that and not mm -hmm. keep asking for that. <laughs> yeah. Or you're gonna you're gonna build and also I mean just yeah, just knowing when to knowing when to push and when to pull kind of thing. Yeah. And I think as well, like I think it's okay for for developers and designers to say, I don't know, right? Like you're in the middle of, of a refinement session. Oh, fantastic. And you, pull out some designs and the developers like, Hmm, I don't know if we can do that. Right. And then sync up with the designer later and go, Hey, this is actually what is, is feasible. And this oh. is what is, is good. There's been many times we've, I've, I've worked with devs and found like really cool third solution, you know, from, from those conversations of going, it's like, I came at it with this, Hey, this is what the feature, you know, like we talked to users, we talked to stakeholders, we want to do it this way. And the devs are like, oh, the API doesn't quite work that way. Or we're, we're relying on this technology. You know, we can't, you know, we, we'd spend an extra, you know, few cycles on that. We just don't have you know, the leverage to do that. We've got other stuff in the pipeline. Right. Okay. Well, let's, let's see, what's the third solution. And then we're like, Oh, that works even better than, the previous iteration. So yeah. those, that communication always, communication always brings better ideas and creative conflict can bring great ideas. David, I know that from history. 
But I, th- I think, yeah, I think some of the best stuff comes out of that, like, kind of like, oh, this doesn't work or this doesn't work. And then, going, well, if you find that third ground, you find a thing that works across the board because you're you're breaking those things. It's like, well, it has to do something. Yeah. Although sometimes you get features killed that way, too. So. <laughs> what do you think, Sammy? Uh <clears throat> In terms of communication, I mean, the way we, we've worked, you know, I think workshopping is not is something that needs to be done, like, honestly, like once a week at least on whatever it may be you're working on between UX and dev. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's one thing with refinements and, and uh, stand-ups, but like truly sitting down and, and actually, you know, you might, I know I've said this a bunch of times, I don't know how to do that. I'll have to get back to you. And then I never get back to you. <laughs> so in those situations, it's always been helpful to <clears throat> workshop through and have that kind of back and forth real time where to your points, like isn't then in the future, you're, like each side is starting to build up that domain knowledge to understand, Hey, what is possible? What should I expect to see in the future? Um, and so that's always been really helpful. In, that, that domain knowledge, you also can start building a road towards like, oh, we really want to do this feature, but we can't now. But we can start implementing things in place to get there at a future you know, yeah. state. If you have that repeated conversation, you can start kind of surfacing that stuff. It's like, because there's a lot of times we I've had you know conversations with our devs like we'd love to do, let's say dark mode for instance. Like, oh, that'd be really fun to do. But we don't, you know, like, all our stuff is, like, so antiquated we can't get there. It's like, well, okay, it's like, cool, I'll start designing it to get there. Let's start using the reusable components and stuff like that. So when we get to its point, we can just flip a switch, you know, small iterations. And getting that information from devs is always valuable from the UX standpoint. It's like, oh, I can I can give them something they want really easily just by iterating towards it. I think workshops sort of Sammy touched on this point. I, I think workshops are uh, the best bet. Um, and if, if you're not running workshops with your dev team or your, or your really your, your product team, you really should. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we implemented uh, workshops every sprint. Um, so every two weeks we do a workshop on the next feature that's coming. Um, and so it's really helped us uh, to nail down some of those issues even before things start getting written in the backlog, right? Before you start even adding stories to the backlog, we're brainstorming. You know, um, I was using the Lean UX Canvas for, for a minute, and then I actually ended up simplifying that down to goals, solutions, and experiments, right? So what is the goal? Uh, what kind of goals are we having for business, for, you know, customers, for whatever, uh, what are some solutions that we all think would be um, uh, promising for this specific feature? And then what is measurable, right? Like what um, what can we do to make sure that we're meeting the goals that we're creating solutions for, right? Um, and it's been very successful. We've been able to um, sort of nail down and get um, get some of those those you know, API questions out of the way, right? Where a developer, um, you know, in the call might be looking, we, we all kind of demo off our, our solutions and then the dev goes, mm, I don't think the API can handle that, right? And so 
before a story even gets written and before we even start talking about the the actual design, we're thinking about what's going to be in it. And so um, <clears throat> I think that helps uh, it from a collaborative perspective. Now, I, obviously the ideal goal is to chunk it down to where the design and the development all happens within run sprint. Sometimes that uh, is a little hard to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think for most, for most people, that's, it's, it's a struggle. The struggle is real. Um, but that's, uh, I, I would recommend implementing workshops. If you're a designer, just do some, just do some workshopping with, uh, with the rest of the product team. And that's going to, well, that's going to clear up a lot of communication well, issues. Well, here, here, I mean, here's a slight pivot on that conversation. I mean, like, how do you, Say, say your company doesn't do workshops on the regular. How do you how do you get your product team invested on that? Because I know from my side, like I I have a lot of a lot of troubles with getting workshops going because our product team just is busy. I mean we we're, we're yeah. a pretty you know like uh, small group, but getting getting time to do you know, you know setting is like hey let's set a day day aside is kind of a huge ask. Yeah. So how do you how do you leverage that? You know, I think it'd be kind of interesting to go through some ideas. Um, well, I guess for me, it was just like I put it on the schedule and you show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, you just tell like, them to show up like, and just, hope they do. Just do it. Um, yeah. The other thing, too, is like I think what you have to do is get the product team sort of excited about it and talk about the – benefits that you could have because essentially what you what you're doing is you're actually creating less meetings because you're having a day to have these conversations that you would maybe silo off to individual people um you're all having these conversations to begin with so you'll notice that there's less and less meetings that need to actually happen um when you do these these large workout workshop sessions and you know the one of the things that i did and the reason why i sort of um minimized a little bit of the of the impaired down the ux canvas is because i also struggled with getting people to do you know four hours yeah. all day yeah, that, that buy-in is so right. huge it's like i've got yeah. four hours i can spend doing other things and yeah. they don't see what you're doing is like just as important as the things that they're trying to do yeah, right. it's always been a struggle. So pairing <clears throat> that down actually ended up to where now we really only need like two or three hours to do yeah. uh, a workshop. And I just do it on Monday afternoons. Typically, nobody's really trying to do anything at that point anyways, right? Everybody's, I mean, you get up in the Monday morning and you're checking your emails and you're getting everything going and yeah. you do a little bit of work in the morning and then, you know, in the afternoon, you're like, mm, I don't really want to do all this. So instead, you kind of shift gears and go, okay, well, let's, um, you know, let's talk about what we're going to do, right? Not, you know, focus on what we're actually doing right now. Let's talk yeah. about what we want to do. Um, yeah. And that typically that seems to be sort of the sweet spot uh, yeah. for me. But really, it's just talking to your product team. So uh, product. Yeah. I mean, I talk to my product, product owners, team a lot, so you know, that's probably get them on board. Yeah, see, I have a lot of communication with the rest of my product team, so it's like, it's kind of like, I get a lot of that stuff out of, out early anyway. Yeah. But so that I'm just that probably takes us into our next topic, oh, which is called I, working with stakeholders. <laughs> yeah, that's what was kind of the, that was what was my thought with the pivot. The pivot there was like, yeah. like, hey, we 
but I mean, like to continue on that conversation, I mean, that's, that's big on stakeholders. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like with tools and stuff, like I think also it's kind of important because you need mm-hmm. tools that your stakeholders are willing to use too. Yeah. And, we, and can easily do. I know a uh, previous place they use mural at a previous place before that they use uh, Miro. Um, you know, where I'm at now, we all use fig jam. Um, yeah, it's fig pretty jam easy. Pretty nice. We just, we just get everybody in on fig jam and, uh, pricing yeah. wise, it's, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and we, you can we use your really reusable like components, right. And we can actually use the design system to pull in components and people can use that to, to build out solutions. Um, that doesn't always necessarily happen. Cause I think when you get, you know, uh, analytics person and a BI person and a developer mm-hmm. and a product owner and you get them all in one space. So like, I don't understand how to use a design system. Meanwhile, yeah, the designers pull in all these components in and it's like, you're I like, this like and I'm doing this. And just <laughs> tell me what you want. I can do it right now. <laughs> right. And you got, you know, it just builds, but yeah, I think, um, I, I honestly, like, I'm not going to try and sway you towards one tool or another, like use whatever's oh, best no, I for just, your team. But yeah, I mean, those are a couple it also of depends tools on the project to use. Yeah. 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 Cause I know some features like our early development, our early exploratory and stuff like mural is fantastic for it. It's like great post board things. But then when you start getting into like, okay, let's like, let's see how this would actually look. Fig jam, you know, is, yeah. Way far, you know, far superior. I feel and like I, Sam, Sammy's getting quiet on her. Chime no, in, Sammy. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, sorry to go back, though. you guys were talking about how to, how to get people to even commit to a workshop. And I was thinking about how it wasn't UX and dev, but it was more just like a dev workshop. But it's, and this is before, like, they were working for me, right? So uh, there's, there's always that aspect, well, if you're somebody's boss, you can just tell them to do that, which... I don't think that always, if ever, works out. But um, it's all about showing value, whether it's to your team or to a product mm-hmm. team. Like, why would someone want to accept, you know, yet another meeting? What is the value to your point, David? If you can prove ahead of time that it's going to save more time and, and reduce meetings overall and increase understanding. And that's, a, right. that's not as easy to quantify. It's like, is that, like, less bugs? Is that more stability? How, how do you quantify that that value um because let's be real if, if you know we say less meetings but the reality is somebody else can just fill it up with other nonsense so yeah. <laughs> somebody, yeah. somebody always wants a meeting yeah right well i think i think us but i i know i've had value in a lot of times like going through you know just being like hey you know we hit we we do this workshop we can walk out and we have a solution and we can start building the prototype we can start moving on and testing we could like Within this week, we can get to where you guys were saying you wanted to be in two weeks or three weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like let's just get it done. Yeah. Well, and I'll just get it get it knocked out. Um, yeah. Now, granted, I think it was a lot easier when when everybody was in one place. You know, like when going into the office and you're like, hey, let's go grab you know the conference room, get the dry erase board, and let's just knock this shit out. Yeah. Yeah, the remote work has sort of put a little bit of a of a weirdness on that whole collaborative process. But I think if you're, if you are remote, I would really recommend looking into something like Miro or fig jam, um, to get everybody on board. Um, but I think that's also like, 
inviting stakeholders into you know those oh, sessions as yeah. well it's it's actually really beneficial right and that's um and i think when you invite stakeholders into like i have a, a vp that comes into uh our brainstorming sessions and and our, our workshops and you know i always preface it as there is no hippos there are no hippos in my workshops everybody is at the same level um everybody has the right to be able to uh say and um you know the no express, wrong answers approach yeah there's no wrong answers approach right like you you have the ability to go no i don't want to do that or you have the ability to go oh you know it would be really cool um yeah like yeah oh let's take that and like you know right. you like we've had features that come out of jokes you know like like oh somebody's like oh we could do this and be like well, actually, if you kind of think, we could actually kind of use that idea over here, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that actually kind of like a cool user delight feature that wouldn't be, and the devs chime in and go like, oh, that wouldn't be hard lift at all. We already right. got half of that built. We just right. need to do, connect these dots. And then you're like, oh, wow, we just got a free, basically a free feature that we can now use. Yeah. So yeah, no, no, no bad answers. I was actually right. going to say you. We we have a VP that every once in a while chimes in on, on our our meetings and stuff like that, and a lot of it is just like he just wants to be included, right? You know, it's like just be in the conversation. Like that's why I think a lot of times there's that faux pas of like, oh, the stakeholder comes in and now wants something off the wall. It's like because right. you didn't include them, yep. you didn't include them in the conversation. They don't yep. know what's going on. They don't know what the level of effort is. And that's but you how get you, that clarity. Yeah, right. That's how you add value, right? That's mm-hmm. how you show, you demonstrate value of like, hey, you have a place where your voice can be heard no matter who you are. And yeah. that that's valuable, right? To be yeah. able to, to get the information that you need from specific people that are, you know, sort of experts in their area. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and you kind of, you, you tame, tame down the kind of the, last minute like add-on kind of stuff where it's like oh let's let's i had this idea let's do this mm-hmm. and there's a stakeholder you can't really say no at it outside that design session but like when but you kind of tamper that down because they've gotten some transparency and going like oh if i just throw out a feature idea right now i'm throwing the whole gum you know whole thing out of whack and they're not going to deliver anything on time and then i'm going to be mad because the thing they just told me it's going to be you know a mid January launch and it's going to be February now because I just threw them a wrench and had no context to where yeah it's always it's, good to have your stakeholders involved yeah and it, Sammy can probably attest that developers hate that shit <laughs> you uh, like, you I we all hate that shit don't come at us with like all these extra things that you want outside of what's already been agreed on in the sprint. Yeah. Because I don't care and it can go in the backlog and, you know, yeah. I guess I never had an issue with like going, uh, no, like yeah. the, the, the idea is great, but we're going to put it in the backlog and this is what we've got in the sprint. And if we, if we have enough time in the sprint to pull it in, then that's cool. Awesome. We'll take a look at it. If not, we'll pull it in the next, the next sprint and prioritize it. Right. Yeah. We, it's not going to happen right a, now. We, we have a assume, assume a no process. Mm-hmm. Or, yep. or, or like, if you come to us outside, just assume it's going to be a no. You can still tell us we're we well, welcome to hear. You just assume you're going to get a no. But on the other side, or and, and our we actually had Dev that used to always go like, "Don't come to me unless you're cutting things." 
(laughs) If you're cutting something, tell me. That's fantastic. If you're like, oh, we don't need that feature anymore, fine. It's gone. People, I think devs love to kill kill code. Absolutely. Yeah. Do less. Uh, the less. Yeah. Go ahead, Sammy. Uh, I was just gonna, I was gonna say, um, yeah, that throwing things it, at last minute, like during a review, or like, wouldn't it be cool if it did X, Y, and Z? I think that is where you know inviting stakeholders it starts to get a little bit tricky, right? It's like, oh, I saw this cool thing the other day. It should be simple. I, I seen a. a Oh, somebody TikTok. else is doing it. Yeah. I saw a funny TikTok the other day where it's like uh, they were they were building a search feature and the dev was, you know, trying to get all the requirements and they deploy it at the end of two weeks and the product owner or product manager or whatever is like, doesn't have autocomplete. And the guy was like, the engineer was like, well, you didn't say it in the requirements. How am I supposed to know that? And they're like, well, can you get it done in like a day? And he was like, uh, no. <laughs> like, what? How am I... <laughs> It's like, it should be easy though. Like, it, you know, Google does it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you don't understand how many hours and months that takes. Yeah, it, Google does it today because they spent the last 10 years yeah. doing it. Right, <laughs> exactly. Right. That is yeah. their only problem. That's their product search, right? That's With the thing. billions of dollars of devs. <laughs> I think that's, a, that's just an issue that I'm sure everybody deals with, right? Where oh, they yeah. say that, you know, the stakeholders don't necessarily understand what it takes because designers get that same thing too right where it's like oh, yeah. oh well i wanted to do this it it doesn't take that long you can just whip that up in figma right and it's like well no because i need to understand how this thing actually works and what yeah. the you know i need to talk to the development team i need to talk to um you know a product owner to make sure that you know what what we're doing is is what do we have the timeline right do we have the timeline to do this like what does it actually take for me to design this thing? Um, yeah. And so, do we need? Yeah. Is it high yeah. risk, low risk? How much testing do we need to do? Right. You know, like, I would to to our listeners, if you are like <laughs> kind of getting started with the agile approach, like literally get used to saying no. Like, like yeah. just do it. Right. I know it's it's like yeah. it's hard to do it at, at the beginning because you want to it's make terrifying. people happy, but at the yeah. end of the day, like. If you say no, you're actually saving your team from having to deal with with you know some it, you know uh, new thing that's I, off the wall, uh, last I, minute you know request. Uh, it, it's it's I would, good to say no. I, I want to add to that. I want to add to that. Listen and be prepared to say no. Yeah, because you do hear great things and and prepared. Your answer is either going to be no or not right now. Yeah. You might go, oh, I'm banking that. You know, like that's great for the next feature. Or, right. oh, we actually have this other feature down the pipeline. We could probably squeeze it in on that. Like we can kind yeah. of combine that. Yeah. But yeah. The, the best thing that I have ever, uh, that I started saying was, sounds good. Let's add it to the backlog. Like that's it. Yeah. Right. Sounds good. Yeah. Great. Add it to the backlog. And, you know, yeah previous places like i've always had an issue where it's like somebody high up on the ladder is like i want you to do this and i want you to do that and i have to kind of explain hey because you're you're high up you the you requesting things like that sort of creates panic in in the culture right and so then these these teams want to hurry up and do the things that you want to do um and we want to do those things but you kind of got to allow like you can't create panic culture um, and so instead, like 
that's awesome. Talk to the product owner and then mm-hmm. prioritize that with the product owner uh, on when you want that feature, right? Because at the end of the day, we have a set amount of stuff that we're doing in this sprint, and that's what we've all agreed upon doing in this sprint. And so we're not going to wreck the sprint just because you want dark mode, right? So, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, you know. it's like what's funny is like I love the feature. Like dark mode is a great one. It's like everybody, everybody, wants everybody dark in mode. my area, everybody in our area wants it. Like I want it. Our devs want it. Our pro- the product owner wants, wants it. Everybody wants it. But we're like. Yeah, there's so many other things on the pile. Yeah, you know, it's like, right, like, right. Because we we have yeah, I mean, kind of a say. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just say there's just so many factors into it, right? Like, where do imagery come from? Like, are they transparent in the background? Can we even do that? Yeah. Like, do they have yeah. white backgrounds? Because if we have white backgrounds, we can't do you know dark mode. Like, it, it's just it's there's so much that goes into yeah. like actually understanding that. And, and that's just on the on the actual like application side not even on the marketing side it's like do we start showing dark mode in, in product photos do we start right. showing, like yeah like there's a whole there's a lot of worms but like we have a saying uh and this is actually my product owner actually our product director yeah so it's like how many units does that sell would anybody come to comes to us with with you know like oh this feature is like hey if you want to write down do some research and say oh we can sell X amount of units or this partner is willing to, if they're willing to pay for it, cool, we'll move it up. You know, like if, if it, if you can translate it to exact, like it's going to do us better, fine. But yeah, you know, usually it's like, oh, dark mode's like, yeah, dark mode's great. It's not going to sell any more, you know, units or it's not, you know, like it might, it's going to make people happier, which yeah. brings me back to, it's really hard to sell user delight features to stakeholders on the other side of that. Because you're like, yeah, I can't quantify how much, but if you get enough user delight, they're not going to use our competitor. (laughs) Like, right. No, like it's, it's about customer retention. That's a whole, that's a whole nother episode right there. I I wonder if there's ever been a loss of a sale because of the lack of dark mode. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because it's a nice thing. Exactly. That's it's, it's, yeah, it's a it's a delight feature. It's not right. functionality. It's not. Uh, but the, I think there's something to be said about delight, though, right? Like delight yeah. because of that retention piece. You know, the other thing too is like there might not be a sale dedicated strictly to dark mode, but like if you have dark mode and your competitor doesn't have dark mode, word of mouth might actually. Yeah. Benefit the sale, right? Yeah. Where you might kind of go, oh yeah, well I I actually use this thing. Uh, and it has dark mode and I love it. And so then that person downloads that and now use the product. Right. So, um, yeah, and it's, it also depends on your product too. It's like, there are certain things, it's, you know, yeah. it's like, ah, sure. dark, like nobody uses this app app during, you know, after sunset. Well, dark mode's not really important for that application, yeah. but it's on like, something that's like, it's like financial ahead, apps so. and like, like payment, like bill pay apps, like yeah. It doesn't matter. Dark mode doesn't yeah. because you're using that once a month, essentially, right? Like you yeah. get into that app once a month, or you set up like an auto pay, or you do something yeah. like that. You're, now, if you're an actual bank, then maybe, right? Because yeah. you're checking that on a regular mm-hmm. basis. But yeah, there's yeah, so, well, there's like so many ours, that make sense. I mean, ours is an IoT device, so like our users use use our app all day, so you know, and all night, especially at night. Typically, yeah. You know, so, like, that's one of the reasons why we were trying to get dark mode. But we have to like build. The, we have to like 
to, for us to do it, we'd have to rebuild the whole damn app. And, and yeah, that's that's all. And you, you just brought up a um, a great point that I think a lot of people. I know we're totally off topic, but I do think oh, oh, that's interesting. That's all right. We'll um, back in after this. But the, the whole intent was that at night you're you're not burning your eyes out with a white background, right? Like when Reddit yeah. finally moved to dark mode, I started using it more at night because before it was white. I, it was bright as hell. Like, and well, you split from one app that is dark mode to it. You're like, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I remember some nights I would be on my laptop. I actually downloaded this dark mode extension because I'd go from, like I have documentation and my code editor, which is dark, obviously. And that, you know, I might Google something, boom, like in my face, but the extension would just like inverse everything. It wasn't perfect, but that was the whole point. So at night, I didn't, you know, I could keep the lights off and not bother my girlfriend who was sleeping. You know, yeah. um, it's not. Yeah, it's a great accessibility thing. I think that's usually like how you have to push like dark mode at least as a user to light. It's like accessibility. Mm-hmm. And you know, the how do we solve all of those problems? Design systems. Is that the magic <laughs> word? Is that is that the magic <laughs> word of the day? You want dark mode? Create some components. Create a design system, and then you build use native components, and then you get yeah. dark mode out of the box. Well, there, let's be honest. That. Well, for mobile now, when you get into web, that's a little bit different. Oh uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, but they're so they're actually get on track. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, actually. Wait. No, we're not. We're not. Go ahead. Just a new thing the the web, I don't care. Where you, it, it might seem with a new version of CSS or a different implementation that browsers will automatically do it without. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's kind of like the same idea of the extension, but um, it will take the setting of your device. And if, it, if you prefer dark mode, the browser itself will do that uh, yeah. conversion, essentially. I don't know if it's... Yeah. I, I think it's just a, a draft right now, but it may be coming to browsers. Oh, in the year. Yeah. Uh, well, nice. I, I mean, not not to create a segue here, but would that have anything to do with how you hand off the assets so the devs know to do that? Could that could that be <laughs> something? Smooth. All right. All right. Yeah. So the next topic, and uh, before our grievance, uh, is collaboration. Back on track. So handoff, uh, handling being remote. Um, yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> speaking of dark mode, uh, no, we were so close. <laughs> speaking of tools in dark mode. Hey, Figma, when are you going to hey, hey, hold it for the grievance? Hold it for the grievance. <laughs> a little. Is that a little trailer? A little sneak peek? A little sneak peek. All right. So handoff. Let's talk about handoff. How do we? Oh, yeah. Sammy, what like, pisses you off the most about when designers yeah, how, have designs? I've been waiting. Yeah. How do you how do you want a <laughs> oh, how no. do you want a designer to oh, give no, you he's stuff? Shaking his hands. He's, he's, yeah, I'm ready. This is what he's been waiting for. This is why he's staying quiet. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think one of my biggest pet peeves, and you know this, David, is get and this is this is actually not a pro, I don't think this is an issue of design. I think it's more of product is getting hi-fi mock-ups that obviously that. Mockups are great and very directional, but when you have a design system that declares and defines and everything is known, right? Mm-hmm. High fidelity mockups, if they're not done exactly to the exact component that the design spec, you know, it just it creates headaches for us because then we'll 
and this also depends on what your testing looks like. If you've got manual QA testers who literally just sit there in dev tools and measure things, yeah, it's not going to be perfect to the high five mock up. What are you What are you measuring here? Like these, you know. Right. As I'd say, that's that's one of one of my grievances. I'd say number two, and this this assumes you have a design system, but when the design system's not adhered to, I because oh, then. Oh. If we've already invested the time to build that singular component, I go to use it, and it does. It's it. It's not what I'm seeing in that uh-huh. hi-fi or whatever. Yeah, I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what the hell? Uh, yeah, and and I can imagine on a lot of devs that just well, fuck it, I don't care, and they just move on. Right. <laughs> They'll just build it however they see fit, and that that's. I mean, I think that's probably just that's a pet peeve among designers too. Like. Use the design well, system and you get a new designer in and they just want to go crazy with new things. It's like, no, the development team have, yeah. has built out these components and this is, this how has been we, tested. This has been right. certified mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And so it designs that. And I think that's why I harp on design systems so much is because design systems, I think help with doing with, with those issues. Right. Cause Essentially, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to hand over visuals. We could just hand over a prototype of like, hey, this is how we we imagined this would work. And then you guys, devs, can just pull in the components that is in the prototype and it all just kind of goes. I did – there was a session, I think, at one of Adobe Max's um, events – uh, it may not have been Adobe Max. It may have been something else. But it was it was um, talking about there is only one uh, there is only one deliverable, and that deliverable mm-hmm. is what actually gets delivered to customers. And so at the end of the day, spending time on high fidelity mockups is actually kind of a waste of work because it the perfection shouldn't happen at the mockup. The perfection should happen at the at the at the release at the code at the code yeah. level, right? And that's well, where like the front end and and the the perfection piece really should be shined there and that goes through QA processes and you know, if the designers and the developers are working together to build out the design system and the components and and all of those things and the designer uses those components in the prototype and then shows the developer, hey, this is what we're doing. And the developer pulls in those components, hooks everything up. And then you check to see, does does our deliverable, the thing that actually gets delivered to customers, is that where we want it, right? And so mm-hmm. um, that's, I would, I would implore designers to like chill out on the hi-fi. Like I know that you guys look at Dribble and it's like all this shiny shit. <laughs> But it, as we I spoke mean, in our last one, dribble is bullshit, and you, <laughs> it, none of that well, stuff ships. And really, you know, the high f- focus on the experience, not the the yeah, UI I, visual I mean, design stuff. It's all it's all fine. But now, I mean, if you have a robust design, design system, system, yeah. But if you have a robust robust design system, like I I build in, in HiFi from the start because I've yep. got a pretty mm-hmm. flushed out component library that I built to be hi-fi it's like why wire like to me i just go well wireframes are a waste of time because i could just do the same i'm doing the same amount of work as the wireframe and not mm-hmm. doubling up my work yep um so i guess it's i mean it's the same process it's like don't don't double up your work if you don't have to right for one you'll be faster you know like right either invest invest in a component library that matches your design system i think that's fundamental like your component mm-hmm. library your design system should be 
insane. Yep. And, um, and that's I think that's where people. You're right. I mean, it doesn't make if you already have the technology to enable something like that, then of course, yeah, wireframes don't make sense. But I think a lot of the times people, and I, I think we're probably guilty of this, David, we invest a lot into like the XD version of the design system, but not necessarily like the, the storybook version or in, mm-hmm. a, in a version that can be truly linked. Um, and this happened with one of our first versions of Momentum where the, the component itself in XD was just being copied and pasted into HiFi's. Right, so things like padding, oh yeah, gutters yeah. were not being respected all of a sudden. So right. that not having that true link, and I know, but XD specifically, that was a. I think they have a feature now to accomplish that, but back then it didn't. So it's, there's, yeah, there's definitely a technology limitation depending on where your maturity is as an organization with mm-hmm. with design systems. Yeah. But that, I would also advise like. If you don't have that in place, then just stick with wireframes. Like, yeah. See, this is yeah. where I mean, this might get into our grievance too. But I think there is room for somebody to one of the you know, Figma XD you know sketch somebody to go like, oh, let's let's take that code that was generated for a you know design system component and let's make a des- a design component for in the application. So if that code changes, we update your, you know, like let's make it backwards and forward compatible. It's like, Hey, if you update the code for it, make it run better, we can update the visual side of it in your, so you're updating stuff and it matches and you yeah. get that, keep that in sync. So well, now I think that's hard to do when you don't have, Oh, it's hard to do. I'm a, it, you got to have a yeah, dedicated it, team to, to a design system for any of this stuff to work. But yeah, um, yeah. And, ahead, and that's Sammy, that's expense. Something. Sorry, yeah. So, well, I, I think that's awesome that you brought it up because that's something me and David talked about using you know design tokens because theoretically you could have set it up that you should take, be that yeah. But then the question becomes because obviously in that's that's code that's pushing code essentially. Mm-hmm. How much power do you give a designer? You know, if you change what we're defining as dark blue to a different hex, and that. That same design tokens used utilized everywhere, but we're and it is possible right now to push that all the way through to compile that. Mm-hmm. Is that too much? And then it also brings up the question: and This is something I have had a hard time trying to. Well, you'd have to have governance. You know, yeah, there. you'd have right. to have some like checks and balances. The other question I was going to say is like, this is where the worlds get blurry, right? Because theoretically, a, a, you could have someone instead of working in something like XD, but they're working in essentially what is now a front-end dev, right? Like, it's everything's JavaScript. Is that asking too much? Is that going over the line too much? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't – I mean, I think that's up to the that's, – that's, that's more of a concern on the project management or the product management side, you know, of, like, making sure you're, you're not stepping – you know, you're not getting your devs out of their track of – but you're utilizing that technology to keep things in sync. You know, it's like they don't have to worry about it because what the designers are using are the same things that the devs are using. You know, using it more as a synchronization tool, not a not uh, oh the de- devs making a decision on what this color should be. They're just saying oh this is this is the code that we use, and here's the visual representation of it that I can mock up with, and vice versa. I disagree with that in some aspects i don't think the product management should be making those calls i think that's a team well i'm just saying like like 
Well, okay, I guess I'm, I'm more thinking of it as like you know that management system going like, hey, you're you're not making those you're not making UX decisions on what blue that is. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's I think that that talks to my point of like I guess I design systems need their own product teams, right? Yeah, like, no, that's it, probably just, right back. Yeah, it, treat it, it like just, a product. It, treat it like a product because then you have a product manager who is focused specifically on that, and it becomes an enablement, it's, right? It's it's literally the other side of an API, right? So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's you, your, yeah, you get a designer that follows a design system that the design team that the design system team has built out, right? Then. Um, and then the developers on that design system team have built out the code version of that. And then that gets pushed to the development teams. And now the development teams have that. And so there's always, you're going to have that sync up, um, uh, all the time because you have a specific team dedicated to the enablement of the design system and getting out components to develop it, to developers and designers of different product teams. Yeah. Um, I guess but it's hard my, to sell that investment, right? Yeah, I, I guess my my solution is more, more way more smaller scale than than yeah. corporate. Though. So yeah. I'm thinking more of just like if you're a dev designer, if, you can go from one if, tool to another. Right. If none of that works, just throw just throw everything into a Figma file and send out an inspect link. <laughs> and hope that your developer looks at the inspection and clicks on every little I've, thing and like, <laughs> I, I I will say this. I have so much I've had so much success with Figma uh inspect links that my devs like the first time I showed it to them they were like, Oh my god, where has this mm-hmm. been my entire life? Like, you mean I don't have to ask you for every freaking measurement? I can just look at it like yeah yeah, you didn't have that before dear god who did you work with (laughs) we still send out inspect links so like even even though we have a design system and now we're starting to develop the components we still send out inspect links and and it's and it's really nice because when uh, if you use jira you can actually add a figma plug into jira and then you can just pop the 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 url in there and then it'll automatically add a card to the top of the of the story with the link to prototype inspect. Um, oh yeah. And, it's fantastic. And they can, they can sort of roll with it and our developers enjoy it too. I mean, I, I think I had to do a rundown with them and like, this is how yeah, you actually use it. And they're like, Oh, that's great. Um, or new features come out. And like the, the thing that I love most that I use a lot with, with I does is uh, the, the commenting stuff so if they have any questions or like oh how like how's this animation supposed to look or like, mm-hmm. like or you know stuff like that where it's like oh we're, we're kind of iffy on this like or you know like our firmware you know like uses a slightly different technology so like they have some limitations they're like hey can you take a look at this is this running the way you mm-hmm. think it should because this is our limitation i mean back to that conversation of like communications like hey we can't do it exactly the way this is showing it is this good enough or you know, do we need to look look at other tools? You know, right. kind of thing. I mean, so I want to shift gears since we're kind of talking about. Um, I'm going to move into handling being remote um, since we're talking oh. about like you know that that process. Um, you know, Figma has been a great tool for us just because now we have Fig Jam, so now we can do remote 
collaboration workshops and then you know the inspect feature to put into Jira and you know uh, obviously you know if if you're working in an agile environment and you have your your sprint cer your your ceremonies you have planning and refinement and demo and all that stuff and retro <clears throat> you can uh, you know you can hop in uh, to those meetings with your cloud file from Figma and be able to sort of have conversations with people uh, or maybe you did a Fig Jam session and you need to remind some people that you know. Uh, this is the feature or these are the things that you were planning on adding to the feature set or whatever, whatever it is that you're talking with your team about. Um, I think just finding some, some, you know, if, if Figma works for you guys, awesome. Um, you know, I know some places use Adobe XD and Miro, um, but that's, I would find some software that really sort of helps with, you know, that collaboration process. And a lot of those even have like video and audio settings in them. Like Figma, you can do, you can jump into an audio call. Um, yeah, which is, you, which I've used quite often. Um, yeah. Which I, I can't get my, my, my people like either not even stakeholders or, or devs can never understand that. It's like, we don't need to do a Slack call and me screen share the Figma document. Right. Let's just all get into the Figma document. It's weird. And turn on the mics. It's yeah, weird well, they because don't, like, you expect like the screen share thing. Yeah. Like it's just weird that we're not we are seeing the same thing, but we are not seeing the same thing. Well, it's like it's weird. And then you're like, I, I will say this is gonna get into grievance. I want a follow me in Figma where I can go follow me and you're locked. You can't wander off. Oh <laughs> like you have yeah. to tell them, oh click on my face. Uh, it's like no, I just want to go like gather my little chickens. Follow me here. Look at this. You're wandering off with some other document. <laughs> you can click on somebody's. Um, you can follow them, and you can see yeah, where and, they're at, and you can go there. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying I as 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 the person explaining thing, like they they all wander off and they're looking at the exploratory shit, and it's like yeah. get back here. We're talking about this. <laughs> yeah, Miro. Uh, Miro allowed us to do that. Uh, and that yeah, was that's all really I want. Liked some of yeah, the, the stuff in Miro, uh, into fig yeah. jam. But I, and I think it's, I think it's, it's, it'll happen over time. I'm sure that they'll have yeah. that because they'll want to compete with Miro. Um, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and so they'll add, you know, things to that over time. And Figma is like literally coming out of beta. Um, what next month? All the time. Uh, oh, the iPad one. The no, 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 no. The Fig Jam itself. I'm sorry. Oh, Fig, oh, Fig yeah. Jam is coming out. Yeah, which is going to start costing money, which our stakeholders are not happy about. Yeah, well, it's like five bucks a person. Yeah, it wouldn't put money oh. off. Well, yeah. I mean, if you consider no, if you consider what Miro, the pricing of Miro, uh, for, for, that gets expensive. Like, and then they, I, th they like, I thought it was, I thought it was five bucks over. Like you had to already have an extra license. Mm -mm, no, you just add a seat. Ugh. It's just five bucks to have Fig Jam, and then it's like whatever, yeah. like the twelve bucks or fifteen bucks or so. Yeah. yeah, to do the Fig Figma. Uh, okay. <clears throat> because but, I have uh, I have a lot of people set up to where they only have access to Fig Jam. I don't let them in my design files, but they only have access to Fig Jam, and it's just five bucks. Now, mm -hmm. it does get expensive when you have like twenty to you know to 50 people. Yeah, see, that's what, what's in, we're getting with us. In, in Fig Jam, but it's, when it's, when it's beneficial to the entire team to be able to build out architecture document, documents, it's, you know, it's well, well worth it. 
All right. Especially with the yeah, so bad sorry. UX and in, in design software, our grievance. Uh, our grievance uh, oh to, yeah. To to wrap this one. Oh. So we, we've already been talking about it, right? No dark mode in Good. Figma. No way to follow a person. Um, you know, uh, I don't even. Do I really want to get into XD's Creative Cloud nonsense? No, no, no. I, right, I know. I I, I already know. I I am. X, XD. Did XD ever get dark mode? No, no. I doubt. No, I doubt it. I mean, I. What, what's I up with dark mode and dark mode? Like, yeah, what's up with no design software having dark mode? <laughs> Uh, Adobe, Adobe's UX frustrates me just across the board because, like, how long has it been since they acquired Macromedia and they still haven't, like, synchronized everything? I think that's, like, I think that's coming. They keep getting close. Like, they did it on the iPad apps are pretty good. And they've yeah. got Spectrum. But they that's that's, don't. that's the thing. I think you have to think, though, like... Think about how long it takes your, your team to turn things. Like, we were just talking about that. Like, in order yeah, to true. do dark mode, we have to rewrite it's the so entire easy. application. So I'm it's so easy for us. through the same thing, right? Where it's like, okay, we have to rewrite Photoshop in order to use Spectrum, right? And in order to make this whole thing. They're yeah. able to use it on the iPad because that was a brand new app. And brand they new, go, yeah, okay, yeah. we can pull in Spectrum well, design system into I, this, right? So it, I mean, they've redone their... Their iOS, Android apps, they've redone several times over. I think it's a lot lo- lower uh, level of effort to redo those. Right. Those well, when you're first. when you're using components that's already built in a design system, that's the low it's effort, just, right? You hey, can adjust hey, that component and it just does it, right? Like, and so it's really not a big deal. Um, so, are you saying design systems speed up production? What? What's what? this? Oh my! <laughs> oh my! I, I don't know if it goes uh, Yeah, it does. Uh, back in October, I think it was around Max, Adobe had, uh, it was kind of, I don't know if it was like Adobe Sneaks or Adobe Labs, but Photoshop in the browser, which was completely supported by. No, it's coming. Yeah, yeah it, 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 I think it's like a beta. It, they use web components, which David knows that is a, a core staple to how I'm building design systems. Um, but I think to y'all's point about investing in design system, picking the right technologies. Now that that web browser app can easily be in, uh, a native mobile app using the same code, the same spectrum components. Yeah, um, but yeah. it was just, just a, packaged different. Yeah, it, it it sucks because it almost requires you've got you can't stop anything. Obviously, Adobe can't stop the development of XD or Photoshop, but they they had a new opportunity with. I don't know why they're trying to run in the browser for whatever reason, but. They're like, hey, let's let's experiment, and now that's where I think we're. No, if you're a designer or dev, like you got to find those, the that new ground where you don't necessarily have to play by whatever already exists because technology has changed so much in the last three years. Even I'm like, geez, oh, yeah. like that that you can do that now on the web or the web can, is getting yeah, it's, it's getting crazy. pretty I, I, crazy. I I wonder almost if the Photoshop in the browser is a little bit of. The, the, le- the work they leverage on the iPad kind of like, oh, well, we if we just pivot some stuff, we can just build a web version of it. You know, like, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's some some underlining uh, similarities to it. If we just got off topic on our grievance. Well, yeah, a little bit. I, I uh. think I think also there's um, there's the idea of competitors are going, you know, if you look at Framer, 
uh, Framer mm -hmm. from Facebook. Now you they've got their web version of things. Figma is all web. Um, and Sketch is moving to the web. Um, yeah. You have a lot you of build these applications that are, yeah, they're all, they're all moving to the web. And so I think Adobe sees that and goes, okay, well, let's start, let's start working on that. What's our most popular program? Photoshop, obviously, what, right? Yeah, or so, at least marketing-wise, like, look what we can do with Photoshop in the browser. All the other right. apps aren't going to be nearly yeah. as It's a flex, intense. for sure. It's yeah. absolutely a flex. But I think it's also preparing the groundwork for Illustrator on the web, XD in the mm -hmm. web, InDesign in the web, you know, yeah. whatever they end up putting up there. I think it's just, like, Adobe's going, hey, check, check me out. We can also go web, too. So it's a huge flex for them, but it's also going, okay, these are the underpinnings and this is how we can actually build out applications using Spectrum on the web. And, uh, you know, we could essentially just put a wrapper around this bad boy and throw it, you know, on the iPad or, you know, as a mobile version on the iPhone or, you know, what that way, wherever you are and whatever device you have, you can work, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That was the huge thing for me with Figma. I mean, it was just, you know that anywhere it's like like i can i don't know I'm, I'm a native app guy though so that it's always i forget like oh i can just open up a browser and do it right yeah i use the native app too for figma but it is it's kind of cool like i can literally go to any computer or you know um whatever and i can pull it up and you know if i don't know if i can yeah, talk about the beta for ipad or whatever but um uh, <clears throat> that that will be nice. Too. I'm jealous. I think the, the first place, the first company to, to be able to put uh, those all three are uh, an application, a design software on all three, um, you know, on any device. It's that they'll they'll be they'll win. And I imagine that Adobe, I mean, they're huge. They can do yeah, whatever the Do hell it is that they want. To well, do. Adobe's <laughs> Adobe's iPad apps are solid. Yeah. Like I honestly like I prefer Lightroom on the iPad than more than I do on the computer. I actually like, don't use Lightroom. I use Pixelmator ooh. Photo. Ooh. Yeah. But I mean this pencil is, is what really I mean we're off topic on on design. But yeah. you know, but that, I mean it gets into the you know good UX like utilizing the device that you're on. Mm -hmm. You know, there there are definitely some device or some apps on the like talking about Figma, Figma's, you know, current, you know, uh, iPad app kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. Can't really use the iPad. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't use it like it's intended. Yep. Yep. And Sketch, I, oof. Sketch is, Sketch old, has old, a lot old, of hat. Yeah. I mean, there are some things from There's Sketch still better that next really wish. Yeah, there are some things from Sketch, like as far as like typography is concerned, that I would love uh, to have elsewhere. Um, and even some of their design system stuff um, in Sketch actually isn't bad. Uh, I do wish I could take some of the organization that they do in Sketch around mm -hmm. design systems and pop that into Figma because the yeah. way that Sketch organizes and shows you your design system is, oh, chef's kiss. Mwah. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so nice, and it's so good. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it, it makes sense. Well, it's organized. For what? Let's let's be honest. Going back to bad UX. 
We've talked about it before. XD and design components. No organization there. No organization. Figma. Minimal organization. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, like variants are cool. Uh, you know, it's there's just things that's just, you can do what you want yeah. with the folders. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's nice. Yeah, it's I'm okay. Speaking of folders, I want freaking folders in my in my layers panel. I want to group things without actually grouping the object. I want to be able to collapse my my panel down. Mm. Like like I don't need to see all this stuff, like all this things. Let me let me just put it in a folder, collapse it. It's not a grouped object. But it's, oh, you know, it's, I see what you're saying. Yeah, just yeah. Just like, well, I man, so, those freaking that thing gets long. You, essentially, a, a group is a folder, right? No, like, a if group, you, if a group you still things, connects everything together. It's still like if you move stuff okay. on the artboard, it's still grouped. It's still a individual. Auto layout is a group with rules. It's all it is. So okay. a group and an auto layout are essentially the same thing. So if like yeah. you group two two things together, they'll move together. But I'm just saying like just let me organize my you know my layers and groups and all that stuff and yeah. frames and do one thing where I don't have to like gotcha. dig through shit. That's what I'm saying. It's like I just want to be able to clean up my damn panel. So wait, you still use layers? Everybody uses layered. That's everything's nope. layered in your document. I don't. I don't typically. I mean, th- yeah, the, everything's layered in the document, but I don't. I don't. That's why I'm. That's why I'm calling layers. To, it's like just. Yeah, I don't just use the, layers a panel. Like I just. I don't care. <laughs> unless I'm oh, doing. Yeah. Unless I'm doing animations between an artboard and artboard, I don't care what the layers oh, are. Oh, I, 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 I definitely do. Okay. I, I, I just, I don't. I, I, I know my I do all my hotkeys and all the all the searching for stuff, but I also have a lot of repeating stuff where it's like easy to yeah. like grab stuff. But no, yeah, I want to, yeah, I, I, I want just, organization. Yeah, I want a little bit more of a visual. Um, I feel like oh. there's not enough cohesion between like. So my issue with FigJam uh, is that like the assets panel is literally just components, and then on the other side, uh, when you click off of everything, it now then shows all your styles. And I kind of want them together, and I want to be able. To, mm, and that's the yeah. thing that Sketch does is like it, it has like um, essentially like tabs where I can go. Okay, this is a component. This is textile. This is an actual style. Uh, this is colors. Um, and then I can swap through them all in the same area. And I like that drives me nuts with Figma because it's like, I got to go different places for different things. And I'm like, stop making me do that. Like I get it. And I also get frustrated at the same time. I get why all the color styles are in one place. I get why all the components are in one place, but also give me, like you said, a place where, well, I guess that is your asset panel. You know, it's like where everything's kind of together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just put everything in the asset panel. Let me, let me see where everything is at in one area. I definitely think their asset panel could be redone. Like it's really slightly like the local components used in fun, Mm -hmm. all the, like, it's just like, it's very noisy. Yes. But my UI grieve, number one UI grievance with Figma probably has to do with the the home button thing next to your tabs with the weird drop down figma thing like what the hell like i've never so many weird navigation things like 
I just want to get to my damn files. Yeah, I, I've never really liked like the dashboard for Figma. Like I've just never really liked the way that they have all of that stuff set up. And I know yeah, Sammy's I, I, probably like, God, I'm tired of hearing about bad design stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is we're an angry bunch. That's what we're really close to. That's what, what do you hate about design software? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, from the dev side, I want to hear what you hate about like the inspect panel and and handoff from software and stuff like that. I think that's a good perspective for us, so we can kind of go like, oh, we can make this better for devs. Well, honestly, like the world of handoffs have gone a lot better. Like the whole inspect thing. Like you guys remember back in the day when it was like just. Here's a PSD file. I hate it. Here's a sliced up PSD. Here's, 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 here's red lines. Yeah, here's red like, lines. Like 15 pages uh, of red lines. Uh, honestly, yeah. And, and, and here's version one, version one, two, version one. Yeah, yeah the, version I, final, final. I can only speak for, for XD because that's that's what I'm most familiar with in terms of handoffs. But I, I don't have anything like too crazy. Um, I I. Don't, for whatever reason, like when I get an inspect link, I always ask people to share the X, XD document with me because I'm just more comfortable using it in the app rather than a web browser. That's not really like, I, I don't know. Uh, there, yeah, I think XD is there, a There's a knock for the browser. Yeah, it, I don't know why. Just the XD app feels more intuitive for me to use. I don't know if it's because I got a touchpad. I like uh, mouse, you know what I mean? Um, and then inspect window. I know it generates CSS for you, but... 95% of the time, it's trash. I, I don't know one dev that will that ever uses or trusts mm -hmm. any of the – I feel like that's a feature they should just kill. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't even spend time – your dev, our devs aren't going to want to use it. Mm -mm. You're just taking up space when you could do something else. Right. Well, I think most devs use it for spacing, spacing and for dimensions awesome. and, you know, things like right. that. Nobody uses a CSS but that gets copied. That's what I'm saying. Like nobody actually uses the. Yeah. I'm talking about that. The co you know, like I that code have. generation stuff. Like, yeah. Well, and even if I wanted to use it, I can't because you know what y'all might have named that color could be different than what it is actually in the code. So if I'm using SAS, I can't actually reference that variable, right? So yeah. It, uh, so design system would be really great there. Yeah, I know. Weird. Weird. Name, naming all your stuff across the board. <laughs> design tokens. Tokens. Uh, but honestly, like, I think. We should rename this to everything goes back to design, design systems. I, I think it does. I think everything we do does go back to design systems in some way or really, another. But, I, mean, I mean, overall, from a dev perspective, I think there's really not anything that we can complain about in terms of handoffs with these, with software. I mean, it's. Yeah. I don't really know. How just, yeah, to get I mean, you guys, right? You guys have You're just happy to get something. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I I feel like the development side was neglected for a very very long time, right? And now that you guys are finally getting, you know, inspect links, or you guys are getting, you know, these expect designers your, building design systems and getting you guys involved. Uh, export your own assets. Yeah, I export your own I assets. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I suppose, yeah, on the dev side, there's not really anything to complain about. But designers are like, okay, it's it's time. And you know the thing is, is like, I want a des like, I want design software to actually hook into the development side. Like, yeah. give me the ability to like if to to keep 
things in sync with components. That's what I was talking about earlier. That's what I was talking about earlier. Keeping what? in sync. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah, we we talk about that all the time with with. But that's that's what I think that this that these this design software is actually missing is just the ability to kind of go okay, uh, how do we connect this to like um, a React environment or an Angular environment or you know whatever or, you guys are building web components I, right? Maybe it's not a, a specific environment in general. You yeah. just have a, a, a storybook web components right? And then be able to, because I think that's where the thing is, is like you put design tokens and then you have to like push that up to GitHub and then you use Amazon style dictionary to change that over to, you know, to convert that JSON over to, you know, SAS variables. And like all of that is, is nonsense. Like you shouldn't have to do that. Like you should literally be able to just go, okay, I'm going to take this Figma file and the tokens that are inside of the Figma file that are structured can then just be imported into an environment, mm -hmm. right? Kind mm -hmm. of like uh, Adobe was doing this for a minute. They had their their DSP, their design, or it was a DPA, DPM, Some, design like design package manager or design system manager. Yeah, I remember. Like that. And it was it was kind of like halfway there, right? Where it was like, okay, let me take a XD file and then let me import that into my editor and my environment. And then you could then utilize those tokens, which were just style directives, right? You could take those and then build those out um, inside of uh, your your VS Code environment, and then you could, and then, and then that becomes the package manager, and then you can then push that to other dev teams, and it all stays in sync with the design system as it's being built, right? So if I change, uh, you know, something in um, you know XD they could just re-import that and then it would change, you know, the color or spacing or whatever um, inside of, oh, of no. the, the, oh. the coding environment. Hey, we lost it. Oh, we lost you for a moment. Oh, hopefully, hopefully I didn't lose <laughs> you. We're, we're like an hour and 15 minutes on this one. This, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think that the first, uh, and Adobe never really like pushed that, but I think that if there's a, if one of these design software companies can pull that in and have a direct connection between both, you know, whether or not like maybe they connect with Storybook, right? And now all of the yeah, Figma tokens and styles inside of Figma goes directly to Storybook and now you have access to that stuff uh, via that, right? But that's really what, what needs to happen when it comes to, well, to design and dev. I, I was th I was thinking about this, you know, after talking about the the, co you know, code code and you know the component, you know, like design components and like devs not using the code. I think there might be a bit of that is just designers don't know how to structure something to make the code make sense. You know, like it's great, yeah, you generate your own code, but you're generating code off of something that the designer slapped together because that's how it worked visually. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily translate mechanically. So Dear I think designers like, learn how to code. Or at least it. get some basic knowledge. Yeah, just like, understand HTML and CSS and maybe a little bit of JavaScript. Like just understand what the developer is doing and how things are being built on the web. Like don't send him don't send developers, you know, a web page full of bubbles and shit. Like that's just not <laughs> it's not acceptable. Hey, like don't well, do that. And I, well, and with naming naming your and this is to you, Dave, is na naming your uh, 
your layer layers and shit panel that tricks right over to the code <laughs> group no. three group four no. group x and no. all that shit i'm not going doesn't do much for the death <laughs> along with that they don't care they 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 click elements because like if you get an inspect document you don't get layers you just get the elements that you click on yeah but yeah. i think nobody cares i will agree with joseph where i think there's some level of understanding from from a dev side like speaking the same language because a lot of the stuff that y'all design like whatever name you come up with it we're just going to use like you know you just call something a card article card even if it doesn't fucking make any sense like <laughs> all right so now the article card and now forever known as the article card right it never goes away <laughs> right. So, right. so there's yeah, there's yeah. something to be said about like coming up with like useful names and speaking the language. I mean, I think we mentioned that once in, in our design system, you know, conversation is learn naming, naming culture. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, but I get think that's that separate sync. from, I think that's separate from the laying pa- later panel. Like you should absolutely oh, yeah. come up with naming conventions for tokens. Like that's, that's. Well, a, I'm, I'm saying practice that in your lay, layer panel and your Listen. design token. <laughs> Joe, I will do whatever I want with my layer panel. It's mine. You're wild. Oh, I didn't say mine looked good. Mine were pretty. I'm trying. I think every designer is trying. We are not an organized bunch. Uh, no. All right. So I think we've we've hit it. Um, so I just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, and we will see you uh, next month. Hopefully. That's the idea. See you guys. Later. Bye.